Welcome to Forecast, the Foreshadow podcast, where we have conversations offering glimpses of heaven on earth through people's lives and work. My name is Josh Seligman. I'm the editor of Foreshadow, which is an online magazine. And with me here is Will Shine, our very first guest on this podcast. And uh, Will is hailing from near Tampa Bay, Florida. He's a musician, thinker, and friend. And he holds a BA in music from Point Loma Nazarene University and an MA in worship and the arts from Fuller Theological Seminary, both in California. And he's worked as a worship leader and a musician. So Will, thank you for joining me now. And, and it's really great to see you again. Likewise, Josh, thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. Great. Well, we'll get, we'll, we'll start right away. Um, and as I was listing some of your biography, people will probably be aware that music is a very important thread in your life. Mm. Um, and, and even when I knew you in college, we were roommates in college, that was very clear in the conversations that we were having, the various activities you're a part of, from um, the various choirs that you're in, the, the bands that you're in, and leading worship at churches, that um, music was an important part of your life. So my first question is, why music? What is it about music that drew you to that? And if you can mention any key people in your life or key events that have influenced you towards music. Sure. Yeah. I think, you know, in some senses, and this might sound a bit cliche, but, you know, music is sort of, uh, uh, is kind of oxygen for me, you know, in a lot of ways, you know, it's just, it's kind of a given. And, and, and I say that in part, cause I was sort of born into it. You know, the, I think the running joke is, is that my, my dad, uh, you know, and my mom, my dad really only wanted to have a kid so that he could have a drummer he could rely upon. <laughs> or at least, at least make do what he wanted them to do because uh, both my parents are musicians and my dad was a was a professional touring guitar player and had a band and and did kind of a decade of that and then prior to that had studied music education and taught uh, like bands and music uh, at a high school level and then uh, subsequently went back to do other things in education afterwards uh, but yeah he, he's he's a lifelong professional musician my mom was a great musician too she has ms so it's harder for her to play things now, but she used to play guitar pretty well and, and she sings, she still sings. And so, yeah, I definitely come from a, uh, uh, a musical household. And so I think between instruments being readily accessible and uh, my parents being pretty encouraging about my engagement with music and that I grew up in also a church where there was rich musical opportunity and, and a variety of musical opportunities because um, uh, we, I didn't come from a church with like a rock band per se, you know, there were band like a acoustic folky folksy kind of stuff sometimes, but I came from a kind of a more uh, conventional, traditionally, when people say traditional music kind of church, I, I grew up in the Episcopal church. So we had organ, mm. there was a choir, my parents sang in my grandpa, my, my grandpa sang in it too. And mm. there's piano music. And so the, the tradition of hymns and just singing in church every Sunday. And then as that art music vocabulary at the church expanded throughout my childhood and we started doing more rock band oriented things in church context. And that I was always sort of, again, being uh, encouraged by my parents and then even playing with them from an early age, I think nine, we played our first festival gig, <laughs> like a local, you know, street festival 
uh, I was a drummer wow. for the band. My dad and mom performed. We had a keyboard player friend jump in with us. And that kind of became a standard fixture in my life through, you know, high school. And it was really, and I guess, ironically, alongside of all that, I, my dad in particular kind of discouraged me from pursuing a professional music career Interesting. or at least study or at least studying music formally at college. You know, it was like, he'd kind of done that. He was like, yeah, don't bother. Don't waste your time with that. Just go, go do something that where you can make money. In the back end. You know, it's like the, the classic, you know, you're never, you know, it's, you're not going to make money doing this thing. So you might as well go be a lawyer or a doctor okay. or something, but like, you can always do music. You know, there was, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, don't do music and only do, it was definitely do music, but don't, don't, gosh, don't study it in college. And so I kind of had that thought in my mind all the time until like my senior year, I jumped into, I didn't do any like formal uh, music uh, ensembles or anything like that in school. Uh, You know, I had a couple little garage band things maybe pop up here or there, jammed with people, but Mm -hmm. very informal. And uh, church was really my only musical outlet for the longest time and playing with my parents occasionally. Um, I, I, my senior year, I, I got into this music ensemble at the school that was basically like a synthesized rock band thing. It was a music tech ensemble that had kind of had a heyday when MIDI was coming out and synthesizers, but the teacher had recovered from, a, you know, a, an illness. And then he'd gotten students who were passionate about doing something. And so it ended up being a kind of a cool big rock band with MIDI wind controllers and, and like mm. these other sort of, uh, uh, digitized uh, instruments. So we, we did fun little, you know, farmers markets in Chula Vista, where I'm from, and mm-hmm. uh, other little, you know, event gigs and stuff. But that was really my only taste of like uh, ensemble music in an academic setting. Uh, and again, I'm not really studied formally within, I took like a year of drum lessons at the, the music studio my dad was teaching at. But other than that, it was kind of self guided or, you know, mm-hmm. pointers here and there from people. And so it, it came as quite a shock, I think, to everybody, myself included, when I was in my admissions interview for my undergraduate, I thought I'd study social sciences. I really liked history and geography and stuff in school. And that's where I excelled the most in, in middle school and high school. I thought I'd do social sciences. Try to, basically, I was like, oh, I'll be a teacher like my dad, you know, and go that get the summers off. That sounds cool. I can still do music. And then the uh, the admissions counselor at Point Loma, where you and I both went, said, hey, you know, uh, looking at your resume and your, you know, your extracurricular activities, I see you really you do a lot of music stuff. You mentioned that a lot. Mm-hmm. You seem that you do a lot of church stuff. You know, we have a music ministry degree here at Point Loma. And I said, really? <laughs> and uh, I in that moment, I said, OK, I'll do that. <laughs> and, and it was a. Uh, 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 I, you can hear and just even how I'm telling a story at the time, it, it was such a preposterous thing. It may not sound like that as I retell it, but it was such a preposterous notion. I showed up, you know, into like a music degree. I found that it was actually just a music, like you had to go to the, the music part of the school and like learn, you know, you needed to read music. You needed to like do music theory. You needed to do all the stuff that I had really no experience in or didn't do well by any mm-hmm. means. And uh, it was a rough first three weeks. I'll tell you that in the degree program, but then something kind of clicked and, and God bless the professors at Point Loma and some other students who were around that kind of gave me some insights and helpful pointers. And, and I just fell in love with it even more. It just became, um, I became a fanatic. You know what I mean? I was already kind of getting fanatical at the end of high school and I became even more of like an immersive musical maniac. It just became, <laughs> I did that was my sole focus. 
I was standing on the hilltop as the sun set in the sky. Looked out west on the horizon, saw a dwindling light. Like this light, I knew my life would someday fade. And I knew right then and there a choice had to be made. I often don't know what to do, but this I know is the truth. I wanna live high. I'm tired of being low. Gonna open up my mind. As I stood and I watched the day turn into night A sense of peace and direction came over my life I often don't know which way to go trajectory led you to Hawaii, didn't it? Um, where you led worship next. Okay, so what did that look like for you on a day-to-day -day basis or week-to-week -week basis in the church in Hawaii? What was your what were your responsibilities, your 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 roles there in, in leading worship? I think I think from the outside looking in, people knew me on a weekly basis. They knew me as the guy who stood in front of them on some sort of platform usually and probably was playing guitar and singing and then guiding and leading a, a, a band of volunteers in that uh, church capacity of, of, of a rotating band of volunteers, helping them to the congregation to sing familiar songs or, or not and get heckled for it, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and guide them in a time of connect in connecting to God, you know, and, and honoring God with, uh, through music. That, that was at least the, the conception, I think, of what a worship leader was and what my role was there. Behind the scenes, I was helping in, in technical capacities. I was uh, uh, kind of equipment manager. Our, our church was in a weird position, too, because we ended up taking on a huge property, a golf course and uh, facilities assigned to the golf course where we were going to, there was this vision for evolving, expanding our school and community center stuff. And so we ended up kind of moving down there on Sundays, but then Saturdays we started a worship service. So I had a Saturday evening worship service, a couple of Sunday morning things. Uh, okay. And it was, uh, and they were pretty uniform at, at that point. There was no like different kinds of music or anything like that, but I, I need to use, you know, uh, there was a lot of planning involved, preparing music. Um, I, you know, in all honesty, uh, it's, 
it's not probably as a, uh, it's certainly not as flashy or spontaneous, I think, as people might think it is. There's a lot of prep and plan that goes into it uh, in terms of preparing songs, uh, musical arrangements, pre-recording myself for vocalists singing parts so they could hear what they were supposed to do throughout the week. Mm. Uh, wow. Even okay. highlighting, you know, music, or typing, you know, redoing lyrics, whatever. Uh, and then sending people tracks, you know, if they were going to practice. I wasn't always the best at that, but depending on who my team was at the time and, you know, trying to recruit more and more people to participate, taking, uh, you know, and then going to staff meetings, uh, supporting other ministry functions and, and things in whatever kind of capacity I could. I I took on more, I think I adopted and self-imposed a more expanded ministry role, maybe presumptuously in some sense, uh, at, at a certain point pretty early on, that then evolved into a title as well. So I ended up becoming the worship and connections pastor at this church. And I started the ordination tract with the Church of the Nazarene denomination towards um, uh, becoming an ordained elder or minister in the denomination with all of the, uh, I guess, privileges and rights that a minister might have. Though I didn't necessarily never really had, didn't think I might become a, a church leader, pastor uh, in any sense, but that I would, that it would help me in some capacity to, to be better, more faithful to serving the, the local church or wherever I was in the future. Yeah. And you've mentioned, so, yeah, I mean, my, my, my role evolved. Go on, go on. Oh, I just was, yeah, I just was saying that that was pretty much it. I think the only other thing in particular that I did there that my role evolved to was kind of commandeering at the time. Point Lomo, who was, again, the Nazarene College associated with our district and our region, they sent interns to Hawaii uh, every summer, and our church ended up with one or two. And and, uh, a couple of people, you know, had really kind of prescribed ideas of what their intern would do but sometimes intern just like and other churches around the area kind of like intern kind of floundered sometimes in my opinion you know it's like we could be more constructive and be more productive you know that was always my you know my my goal in size was like what can we do to help that so we I expanded on and and uh, modified I guess the, an internship program that evolved into our, an internal larger internationally sourcing internship that we um we offered people to participate in, you know, and come from more than just Point Loma, then from other Nazarene colleges. Or just oh, wow. even out. And yeah. so, yeah. And then I had them in different capacities working in our school. We had a community garden for a while. There were, okay. there were different ways for people wow. to get involved. And I, and I also kind of was, was a, a point person for the church's young adult ministry. I, I never really took on, like, I would never wanted to be like, I'm not the young adult leader, but I, I, I had leadership, the, the, uh, uh, notions and, and opportunities with fostering the growth of a young adult, a quote, young adult ministry, whatever that even means. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you were, you were leading on various levels. It sounds like there. I got, I got, I got involved and I was very immersed in my community, very immersed, you know, in the church community and in the surrounding kind of area and in the music scene more and more. I, I, I took very seriously, uh, uh, participation and engagement yeah and and you were in a different culture as well in in hawaii was what was that like for um connecting to to people of various backgrounds um and and in in the community um oftentimes i think when people think of church ministry when i do i i often in my imagination it's a very insular um thing 
But as you're saying, it actually involved con connecting with people on various levels, um, both within the church and outside of the church. Uh, so maybe my question is, what would did that look like for the maybe the local people in the community who did not go attend the church? What um, what was your connection like with them if there was a connection? Yeah, I mean, I was I mean, I was a guy who lived in the community, so I by virtue of being there, I, I had some connection. I think in general, both in the church context, and the church gave me a, a sometimes a more gracious, sometimes a very less gracious space to like to like to learn. Uh, to learn the culture better, to make mistakes, to, to reorient my paradigm, you know what I mean? To like expand my worldview, to see that there are other ways of, of perceiving things and understanding things and, and engaging with things. Uh, I, I was thankful that I came from a context as a kid where, you know, uh, the, the, how I, how I look as like a, you know, a, a white dude, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, uh, was not necessarily like the uh, indicative of my cultural formation. You know what I mean? People might look at me and think, oh, oh here's the, you know, here's this stereotype. Uh, but that certainly wasn't the context that I'm from. You know, you're, you're from, you're essentially from the same part of the world that I'm from and you yeah. kind of know where we grew up and, and, uh, and the richness that it, that it holds in terms of diversity and, and, and engaging with people from a variety of backgrounds. And so that was very helpful, I think, to calibrating me from a more successful state than other people who come from the quote mainland to Hawaii. Okay. Uh, but I, that isn't to say I still didn't have a ton to learn. I still didn't make a ton of mistakes. Uh, but I, I was, you know, Hawaii is, a is, um, uh, it, pe people deserve to be called out if they're in the wrong, you know, or if they're offensive, when they're there, but it's still a very gracious place. And so even if I was ever called out or, you know, heckled or whatever the case may be, I never felt unwelcome or, you know, uh, like I, like I, I didn't have a role to play. That being said, I will say that I, I, I recognized that, you know, I was definitely an outsider and was never not going to be an outsider just because I had been formed in another place. You know, mm. um, I think, I think that, as, as welcomed as I felt and as, in, as a part of things and as engaged, unless I fully drank the Kool-Aid all the way and jumped in and I didn't want to do that and be pretentious in some ways, I knew that I'd kind of always be an outsider. And there was always a part of me that, you know, that I, I spent 21, 23 years of my life, you know, in Southern California and San Diego. And that, that will always be the kind of, I think the core culturally and, and, and whatnot of who I am. Um, and so I recognize that, you know, when I was there, uh, I have enough of a cultural chameleon, I think capacity, that's a lot of C's, uh, um, uh, to, to make, to, and I've traveled to enough places, you know, I've been uh, privileged to travel to enough places to kind of see the world through other people's eyes, I think, and experience different things. But um, it is to say, I definitely recognize that, you know, I, I, um, uh, I, I have a, I probably have very distinct cultural, uh, 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 what am I, what's the word, not notions, but cultural sensibilities that, 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 come, that come out and that I'm aware of, that I, that I think are, are, are uh, uh, specific to a place. Okay, okay, yeah. Empty road again, I feel beneath my feet.
I've been here, I've been there, I've been everywhere. I've been here, I've been there, I've been everywhere. time i don't know if we can kind of really do justice to these conversations but I, I also think about the other places you've been you you then you lived in scotland for a little while and you've also you you, you studied back in california at fuller and and then now you're you're married you're you and your wife are living in florida um so those are each of those are different places and um is there is there a thread there about um, with regard to connecting with the people in your surroundings um, and the work that you're doing? And, and maybe I, I, might, I might need to ask a more specific question if, mm. um, uh, but do you, do you see what I'm asking? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think there, I think there is a thread, you know, and I'll, I'll even say that my, my wife and her family are, uh, from India, and I've been, uh, we've had the opportunity now to go back to India a couple wow. times, uh, and the last time was for about a month, and that that's no justice to like getting a, the, a picture of things, but me learning how to be a better husband and a better friend to my wife means, for me, has meant sort of understanding her her cultural sensibilities, and even though she spent a lot of time in the U.S., you know, and she's, she's definitely, a, I, I probably identify as a very like it's very Indian but yet very like you know has other sort of cultural dynamics and influences going on too and so uh kind of again get, like you said going to all these different places I think a, a thread for me uh I don't know if it's something that like that I would say I take pride in but something I certainly try to do is I think to um or I, that I've learned to I think I've learned to do better in time is um is really try to engage folks where they're at and learn from them, learn about them, be interested, you know, be interested. Uh, that's, uh, that it, it's, it's remarkable. I mean, I'm, I'm just so thankful for the opportunities to have learned and gone and been with who I've been with, you know, and, 
and uh, that it, it's uh, it makes for a rich and colorful life, I guess, you know. Uh, and so um, in this last move to a place like, you know, you think, well, you're a white dude from the U.S. moving from California to Florida can't be that drastic. But <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it's Florida is just another another place, man. And I think I've been as I get older, maybe I'm I'm I'm. I'm, I'm better calibrated to do the thing I just talked about doing, to be interested, to be involved and be invested. And at the same time, I'm also more tired, <laughs> you know, and like, and, and, and we've had the global pandemic, you know, it's been, it's been harder in some ways to invest more where I'm at now for, for very obvious reasons and practical reasons, but also that like, at a certain point, you spend four years of your life at a time in, in specific locations. So, there was a college at Point Loma when I moved from Chula Vista across the bay to Point Loma, which are different worlds. You know what I mean? If yeah, you're from, true. you know, you know what I'm saying? You're from, you're from Paradise Hills, right? It's <laughs> Paradise Hills, Chula Vista, Point Loma. These are different places. You know what I mean? These are, these are, these are not the same place, different people. You know what I mean? Like, so that was a, a thing. And then, and then going from Point Loma and Southern California to Hawaii, that was a thing. Then Hawaii back to Pasadena, LA, you know, we're San Diegans, right? We avoid LA at all costs <laughs> being up in the LA. So and then Pasadena for a while, you know, and then, and then meeting my wife and meeting her family, going to India and, and experiencing that. And then, uh, um, and yeah, and having studied in Scotland for a bit, all these little things, you know, and now moving to Florida and here, we've been here now for, you know, coming up on two years. Um, we're, it, it's uh, after a while, you know, a place is is made by the people who are there i think and and relationships are what make a place rich and wonderful and so that i've had opportunity to have rich relationships i think has made any place a good place but i and i've learned from people in that place for sure but i think it's been harder in this season in some senses just because of the lack of opportunity to properly connect or plug into things uh that i would have in the past and also that i've gone through my own sort of like evolution you know personal evolution cognitively spiritually if we might say that where i don't i'm not interested in doing some of the same things that i've done before in life whether that's professionally in the capacity as quote worship leader or uh as you know as uh in, in what kinds of community spaces i'm a part of you know what i mean i i think i'm trying to be more cognizant of that and more uh um not protective but um intentional about what, what kinds of space and with whom I invest time, uh, not because I think I have something wonderful to offer, but I, I want to be in environments where I, I'm both useful and that I'm enriched and that like I, I learn and I'm transformed for the better. You know what I mean? And I, I think that that's evolving. During, throughout this conversation, um, you've mentioned the word connecting a few times, like you you've talked or the meaning of connecting. You talked about connecting with people and you talked about leading worship as helping to connect people with God. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so how are you? Um, and you've also mentioned that in this time of COVID, another C word, um, yeah. <laughs> you, you're finding it difficult to connect um, with the people in Florida, or at least in your surrounding community. Um, but are you, uh, well, yeah, well, what can you say more about what are the challenges there? And also how are you able to find any points of connection with people or with God? And if so, where are you finding those things, even if it's not as you used to find it before? Yeah. 
Yeah, sure. I think uh, I was really happy when I first came out uh, to Florida before the pandemic set in. I had taken on a role with a nonprofit called The Power of Song Incorporated. And that was basically in a nutshell, it's a social justice arts organization. And so it does, it kind of uh, looks at theater, song, dance, the arts in general as vehicles and ways of of telling, uh, of promoting justice in the world and, and social change, you know. And so uh, I got to be a part of some really cool things through them and, and by, by being an affiliate of the organization, uh, not least of which included uh, being a part of the ensemble that did these Beyonce masses. Uh, you can go to BeyonceMass.com or org. I think it's .com. Uh, but it's pretty cool. It's just like this Christian liturgy, a womanist Christian liturgy. And a wom- womanism as, as a theological tradition just means sort of black woman theology uh, <clears throat> from that vantage point so really cool again is like me <laughs> to 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 jump into that you know and, and not to have much to contribute other than how can I help you know what can I do to learn from this and so I got to be the drummer in this traveling we played the Kennedy Center in Washington DC Spelman College in in Atlanta which is an HBCU uh, historic black college university uh, women's college we did Claremont out in California uh, yeah, it was really cool to be a part of this thing. And then I uh, did an event, uh, a Gandhi King uh, Global Initiative, the first conference at Stanford University back in the fall with Power of Song. These were extensions and expressions, I think, of like a faithful witness to God's, whatever God is doing or whatever God is <laughs> in the world, you know, moving and participating, mobilizing people towards thinking critically and differently or growing together about, around different issues. Again, the impetus of, as I understand, foreshadow is, is the, the glimpses of the kingdom of God, you know, these working through these, uh, uh, the conversations brought up in these contexts and by these groups of people, uh, I felt was so uh, spiritually and physically nurturing to me and challenging in some ways too, that like this was the kind of thing that I wanted to continue to be a part of. And so, between that and then and then working now with a, a local church that is you know that's probably more uh, ideologically I guess you could say both in, in theological maybe political senses to where I'm at now locally here kind of connecting with the some of the musicians there um, that's been very helpful I think and healthy for me in a lot of ways uh, finding ways to serve and be a part of stuff and then some of that is in very conventional ways like I help with the like a weekend socially distanced tent service thing or pre-recordings often doing music that I'm not particularly like would not listen to or like engage with usually, but because it's helpful to some folks where they're at again, and I, I get to build some sort of community around that. That's been cool. And then whatever I can do it with and for the power of song moving forward. That's really cool. These other little like opportunities, I making friends with some of the people that I've known I've met through uh, the church I'm helping out with. Uh, I got I fish with a guy like weekly, uh, the guitar player in that band and our, and we're, we're generations apart. And yet like uh, we have such great conversations and <clears throat> there's a, a, a deep a mutual respect and friendship that's formed there that like um, that, that's uh, that's so invaluable. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's to me, that's like, that's what it is. That's what it's about. And, and, and also in this season, like I've been married now for four years <clears throat> and and like uh, a couple weeks um learn yeah, continuing thanks. to yeah thank you continuing to learn how to be a good husband 
what it is to be a, 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 a supportive uh, and helpful, faithful partner. You know, what does that look like? Uh, I, uh, yeah, I've just been so, there, there have been opportunities and even in this season, despite the pandemic and things going on, for me to grow, I think that the, the challenges have been that some of the conventional ways, for me conventional now, I say, that I would have jumped into a community or gotten involved or in often, you know, even sort of been flattered into settling into a role uh, that maybe I should have been, had more discretion about or a job I should have thought more about. Is this really a, the thing that I should do right now? This has given me space and time to really, you know, work through some of that and pursue things that I would have not otherwise pursued um, and to have, you know, stillness and time alone, you know, mm. to really reflect on all this, which is, which has been good. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I haven't actually gone fishing myself, um, which is, well, I know that's something that's um, probably not a good thing to admit, but um, from what I have heard of people who fish uh, and from what I've thought about it, it seems like the kind of an excellent way to just be still and just to be, um, whether it's pray, being prayerful or even just kind of emptying your thoughts, it just, I can imagine it just seems like a really um, peaceful um, and kind of a meditative activity. Except when your line gets tangled, yeah, it okay. is. You know, okay. <laughs> sometimes it's an expletive-laden activity, okay. but, but but other times, yes, it is a very peaceful and/or stilling. I mean, I'll go I'll go out in the day for a, a whole day. I mean, I'll leave before the sun rises and come home as the sun is setting because I've either had to drive so dang far to get to a spot I want to try fishing at, or and I'll spend time out. And sometimes I'll have something. I'll be listening to a podcast or something. Oftentimes, there's nothing. I'm just sitting in my little kayak or something bobbing around or like I'm in the woods next to a river and I'm just there and I'm, I'm not like, I'm just thinking or my mind is again, as I have a pretty active firework brain, like rest and stillness is not my thing per se, but like, I think I get some of that sometimes. Again, if the line isn't getting tangled or I'm not getting hooked on a rock or I might be catching a fish, you know, that happened, that does happen once in a blue moon. Uh, but yeah, there, there is something, there is something, again, uh, dare, dare I say, worshipful about, you know, about that experience and that engagement. Things I notice and appreciate uh, that I otherwise probably wouldn't, if not given that opportunity. And I'm in a really luxurious position, I would say, that I'm not having to like, to like really stress about, I mean, I'm, I'm, I need to find sources of additional income besides what my wife earns, but I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, my wife's in a position right now doing something that basically provides for our needs, you know, and we're, we're, we're covered. And so what I do for in, in any sort of professional capacity is, has been, was hampered by the pandemic because music stuff kind of got canceled. Right. So, mm -hmm. but what I've, whatever I've been able to do is, has been supplementary and kind of a bonus. And that's a very fortunate position to be in so that I have the liberty and opportunity to kind of have, a season of sort of fishing recreation is pretty crazy. Like I'm retired before, <laughs> you know, like this is, this is not normal. I do not say, I, I, I do not take it lightly that I'm, I'm, I'm afforded this space and opportunity. Uh, so I, I try to learn as much as I can right now. Uh, I should probably be more creative more often and, and exercise that part of who I am. 
but I, I do some of that and uh, I'm really thankful. Again, fishing has been good and a lot like, like you're alluding to in terms of uh, a formative, uh, dare, dare I say, spiritual practice in, in as much as it's been a, a way to also eat fish occasionally. Okay, okay. I'll sing a song about how love is gonna fix it all but alone. I can never write what's wrong. So let the music move you, let the rhythm groove you, and then you will sing along. Love is the space between the dialogue of life and scene. Love is the place where we belong. Love takes you by surprise, you see the world with brand new eyes. Love is making us brand new. Time is on our side, and music now is intertwined. Our fate is to make a difference today. So we'll hold nothing back. Our hearts and minds will interact, and the world will hear what our song has to say. Love is the space between the dialogue of life and Love is the place where we belong Love takes you by surprise You see the world with brand new eyes Love is making us brand new It's time to sing our song and tell a different story It's more than just another tune Well, thank you for the, the conversation, and there, I think there are a lot of threads that I uh, wish we had more time to explore. Maybe we will in the future. Um, sure. I've also asked Will if he will um, help us with forecast as a co-editor or co co-host. So we hope to uh, we, we look forward to hearing from him again in the future on on forecast. Looking forward to it. Me too. 
And so thank you everyone for listening. Um, this is, uh, well, that's the forecast for today. And um, just so you know, if you don't already know, Foreshadow is an online magazine that features writing and art and music and conversations such as this one that we hope give a glimpse of heaven on earth and point to the kingdom of God. And we have a website at foreshadowmagazine.com. We have new work every Monday and Thursday posted there. And we're also on various social media websites. So if you like what you hear or what you read, please share this conversation and other works with your friends or family or people that you think would be interested in, in these kinds of conversations. So thank you for listening and, and take care.